I have been asked many times throughout this preaching job that I have if I get tired of using the same book every week. And especially when it comes to Christmas and Easter because the story doesn't change. And I, I, I was talking this past week with, with my friend Lindsay about the Word of God, and she said this, this beautiful image. She said, it, one of the things about the Word of God is so alive, it's like you can, you can dive into it and swim around. And, and then based on where you are in your context, you might come up against another stumbling block or you might see a new channel, a new pattern. And we've actually studied the book of Ephesians, which we're studying now. We studied it in the fall of 2020 as a church. And I went back and read those sermons this week and I was, had to double check that I had used the same book because it was so very different what, what had been discovered in that time of reading. Because we come with lives that have changed, world that's changed, and, and we can't approach the text in the same way. And the aha that I continue to get over and over from this time reading the book of Ephesians, is that it was not written to encourage someone's personal faith. It wasn't written so that individuals would grow closer to Jesus. It was written to a community. It was written to a community long ago that had all the reasons in the world to split up and to not get along. They, they had so much, they had more different than they had alike. And so the Ephesians are having to figure out how do we do this life together? And so this beautiful letter is continuing to remind them, you have been united in Christ. And overwhelmingly, it's going to continue to push us to consider what does the love of Christ look like when lived out in community? What I want us to remember is that from the book of Acts, we are told that Paul, who wrote this letter, he spent two years in residence with these people. He knew their names. He knew their professions. He knew their children's names. He was very acquainted with these people. And so every word, every phrase, every metaphor is keenly connected directly to their, their lives. So today, as we go into Ephesians chapter three, I want you to hear, you know, what, what are the metaphors that are running through it? What are the verbs that he is using? And I think we are going to be enlightened to hear what he is calling us as a community to do. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, it is only by the gift of your spirit that this word becomes alive. It is only by the gift of your spirit that we are, we are able to just slow down and let this word guide us and teach us and encourage us. And so may this ancient word and your very much alive spirit, may they come together in this moment so that we can hear what you are speaking to us today. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. I'm gonna have Blakely, if you're, is Blakely back there? Cause I, this isn't working, so can you just do the scripture for me when I tell? So we are in Ephesians 3, chapter, chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. I pray that according, just kidding, back it up a little bit. You were right, I was wrong, there we go. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This passage is a rich and specific prayer from Paul to people that he knows. Listen to the words that he used. Strengthened, dwell, rooted, grounded, filled. And then he lists these dimensions, height, depth, length, breadth. All throughout Ephesians, Paul uses building metaphors. In chapter one, he says, you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. In chapter two, he says, Christ Jesus himself is our cornerstone. In chapter four, he says, we will build one another up. During the time that Paul lived in Ephesus, what we know is that there was a lot of building going on. In the year 17, Ephesus underwent an awful earthquake, and it broke down so many of the buildings. And so it took decades to build this back. So when he was there, the people within his own congregation, they would have been the overseers, they would have been the workers, they would have been the slaves, all different types of people who were, their very job was to be building back this city. Paul knows his audience. And so he is going to use these words intentionally so that he can help them connect faith and life. So what makes for a strong foundation for a church? Paul does not mention a pastor, a leadership team. Paul does not mention how much money they have saved. Paul does not mention how well the people know the scriptures by heart. All of those things we might think make a good foundation, a strong foundation where we can say, oh, that church, it will stand. This is what Paul says, that they would be strengthened by the power of his spirit that they would be rooted and grounded in love, that they would be filled with all the fullness of God. Those things that we might think make a strong foundation for a church, you especially know so well here at WHPC. Pastors leave. Leadership teams change over. We change over every year in the life of this church. And money is such sand. It can so easily be blown away. 
This text made me think about another time that Jesus talks about foundations, and it's the parable of the soils that he talks about in the Gospels. And in that, a farmer goes out and takes seed and throws it, and it falls on different types of soil. One of them is rocky soil, and so it's not able to make roots. One of it is choked by weeds. One of it is eaten up, snatched up by the birds, and then there is the good soil. But I want you to listen to what Jesus said about the rocky soil. I think that's particularly meaningful for us here in Central Texas when we consider what our soil is like. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and they sprang up quickly because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched and since they had no root, they withered away. Since they had no root, they withered away. It is remarkable that in the hill country of Texas, we produce the second most number of grapes for wine in these rocks. So things can grow in rocky soil. And so I was puzzled. What what allows for roots to go deep and to get grounded? And anytime I have a gardening question, I call my mother because she's a master gardener. And I called her and I said, Mom, I'm just so confused by this passage. Because it says that the, the, because the roots weren't deep, that when it came up, it, it, it scorched it. But yet, there's roots that maybe aren't quite as deep in Texas and things are growing just fine. And she said, oh, it's not necessarily about the depth of the roots. It's the strength of the root system. I said, well, what allows for a root system to be strong? Space. You just have to have space. Roots will push past rocks. Roots will push past anything. They just need the space to grow. So what makes for a strong foundation for the church? We need to allow for there to be space for the roots of love to grow. And not just any type of love. Of course, love for Jesus. Of course, love for God and love for the Spirit, 100%. But the love of God that is expressed through how we love each other. How do we love each other here? I want you to know that our theme for the whole year for this church, for Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church, is the last phrase of our mission statement, that we would follow Christ together. All year, we're going to focus on how did Christ live and how can we follow that. But it's not as we follow Christ. It's as we follow Christ together. And my hope is that by the end of the year, every single one of us has two people who we feel like is on our walk with Christ with us. Not your spouse, not the people you live with, not your parents, but two people from this community who don't just know what's going on in your life, but they know what's going on in your life. And they're praying for you and they're challenging you and they're encouraging you and they are able to remind you of these deep roots that Christ has in our lives because it is through relationships with others. That is where we really have our souls filled. Listen to the text today. All of those petitions strengthening, rooted, and grounded, all of them lead up to this line. 
so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Doesn't that just sound just satisfying? You may be filled with all the fullness of God. The Greek word that's used there for filled is a nautical term. It's used to describe when a ship is ready to set sail. All the cargo has been loaded. All the appropriate sailors are on board and they are in their place and there are enough supplies to sustain them. When the ship is full, to be filled with the fullness of God means that we are on board together. To be filled, you cannot sail alone. Christians need a community. And I have heard from many of you in the past year things like, my faith is flat. My faith feels empty. And I feel like God and other Christians in this church, I feel them to be distant from me. I want you to know that you are not alone. And this is, this is part of the walk of faith. And I hope that you will find other people that can remind you, that can remind you that this is just a season. I also know that there are some of you in this church where this past year has been a season where you are tested time after time, and it seems like trials are chasing you. I want you to know you are not alone. You might feel distant from God. You might feel like you're the only one that is experiencing this many trials. I hope that you will realize there are people in this community of faith who know what that's like and who want to walk with you and remind you, you have roots. You are rooted and grounded in love. One of the greatest gifts that God has given to the church is the gift of community. There are so many other gifts. We could do a whole sermon series on all the gifts that God has given to the church, but I want you to consider if you are feeling like, you know, I, I've been going to this church for 15, 20, 25, five minutes, however long, and I'm not finding those connections, try a Bible study. Sign up for pilgrimage. Go on the annual church retreat. Talk to the pastors. This is, we love, we love to help people find community. This is what it means to have that filled to the fullness of God. When you think about that phrase and you feel satisfied, that is with other people. We want to feel that our life is built on a good foundation. We need to let our roots have space. A Christian community that has a strong foundation is rooted in the love of God that is expressed through the way that we love one another. It is through relationships with others that the love of God fills us to the fullness. May it be so in my life and in yours.